Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents. This is your host, Petey Steele. And your co-host, Elena Torres. And today's guest is someone we know and love. He just came out with an album. Uh, I remember the first time I saw him do comedy was at a new joke show, and I'd never seen him before. And he told a new joke, and it crushed. And I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I got that pissed off attitude and then i met him and he's also the nicest guy ever so please welcome winston hodges yeah all right thanks for having me oh thanks for coming on it's yeah uh, that's a true story by the way the first time i saw you perform was at the 51st jokes or whatever yeah i drove i drove to dc for that show i drove like three hours to do a minute (laughs) oh my god yeah i remember you were pretty pissed off when you showed up on the scene but then i heard you were like driving all the way from richmond every night and i was like oh no wonder you know oh yeah dude i'll give him a pass just literally just driving hours and just being like fuck man it's like i'm i'm win on this list and it's like all right i'll leave at three in the morning (laughs) how long were you doing that for um i i think i first i think the first time i did anything in dc was like uh four years ago so i would say it was like two two and a half years of trying to come to dc like twice a month so like yeah. and it would sometimes be i would mostly try to come up on the weekend so it wasn't so bad but there would be times where it's like oh i can get on a wednesday show yeah i'll get off work at four and drive through rush hour traffic to dc do a yeah. spot and then immediately hop in my car yeah drive back home yeah. jesus how long have you been doing this at home before you started making these jaunts uh, I think I was like two years in when I first started doing uh, the DC thing because I'll I'll be about I'll hit seven years in March, like wow. count, yeah if we count the pandemic and stuff because I know there's a okay. bunch of people that aren't counting the pandemic towards the time. But well, how do you feel about that? Do you think you should count it or not? I think it de- it depends. Like it because if you were someone that literally was doing nothing during the pandemic, because I do know people that were like. They just took the year off and I think it was good for their uh, mental health. Like, that's fine. But people that like I saw doing outdoor shows and also doing online stuff, it's like fucking who cares how long you've been doing it? Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was sort of like when people started with me in 2012 and they would actually like put notches of every open (laughs) mic they did. Like it was counting prison days or something, you know, counting the days they've been in. And it, to me, it was always like, you just know you got to be doing something every night. And if you don't, you feel yes. shame. And then you try again yes. the next day, you know? I, I agree. It's just doing as much as you possibly can. It doesn't matter what it is. I just like looking at the anniversary to be like, okay, this is this is how much of my life I've wasted. I <laughs> That's <know>. true. <laughs> like the actual oh, yeah. years. Like it's like I it's know. Like- <laughs> the, the most frustrating part about that is like when I started comedy, I was like, so cocky i was like oh i'm gonna have a netflix special probably like two years maybe three. Oh yeah i'm going on five and a half and i feel great about where i'm at but i yeah. wish you know i wish i could keep like some of that new cockiness yeah i think i don't know i think that the most successful comedians are not the most delusional but they are a little dilute like you need that yeah. And I just do not have that but like belief that I had when I started. Like Me I was either. the same way as you, Elena. Like when I started, I was like, especially like starting in like a smaller scene than DC where like you're seeing people and you're like, oh, I am funnier than these people. Right. And it's like, yeah. so, and I'm assuming I go, that's just what it is across the country. So if I'm good here, I'm 
fucking oh i'm one of the best i've got like a i'd like it'd be like a year until i'm featuring you know what yeah. i mean like that'll be like i could do 25 in a year and then like oh. <laughs> <laughs> headlining maybe the three-year mark you know <laughs> i mean that's less delusional than me i literally thought i was gonna have a special in two years and i started doing shows in new york like oh that's great i was so delusional that i thought i i lived here but I thought you only have really had to do shows like once a week. So I was going up to New York once a week <laughs> to do shows. And the people, New York open mics are horrendous. Yeah. And, the, and I would just look at all these people and I'd be like, oh, well, I'll be at the comedy cellar in no time. Yeah, no time. This is, <laughs> I don't know why people think this is hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, should, I could get it in a couple months. Like my yeah, I was delusional to the point where I thought like <laughs> people around me were like good, yeah. you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I was delusional about others. I'd be like, all right, these guys that I met over the last like nine open mics, these are the top five in D.C. I don't know any of the history, yeah. how far anything goes back. And then I'm surpassing them in three months. And then I'm like, well, then I must be the fucking best like in the world. Where is my yeah. special? You know? <laughs> That is so true. The, the the type of delusion that creeps into like the way you see your peers, how like your mind has to make you like, I'm so good that even these other people that are great, I'm better than them. And it's like, no, we're all just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all fucking I, I remember like the one of the first moments when that like clicked for me, like where because there's also the thing where like when you're a newer comic and you see someone and like they're someone that's really well respected, but they're working on new stuff and you don't really understand like, oh, this person's bombing. They suck. And then you yeah. finally get to the point where you're like, it took me like a year, year and a half to where like I could just recognize finally like, oh, no, this person is good. Like being able to tell that this is just a good comic working on new shit. As right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they're, they're like, that's the thing, like. When you're a new guy, most of these older guys are like, oh, they, he's not ready for working out material. You got to go up in there and fucking try to swing haymakers, yeah, knock it out of the it. park. So that's your goal. So you see some 20 year guy and you're like, he's not knocking it out of the park. What the fuck are these guys talking about? Yep. This guy sucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that one show where you see them and then they kill harder than you've ever seen anyone kill in your life. And what you're like, the oh. fuck dope was I smoking? Yeah. Or you have to follow it. Yeah. You're like, God, oh, that's this person fun. sucks. And they have an okay set. And then you follow and you eat shit so much harder than they did. And you're like, oh, maybe that's, I should come down a little that's bit. That's so fun. Dude. I like, this is like, uh, so like the area I started in, like, uh, like, Richmond and Charlottesville like that's where uh Chris Allen is also based out of now so yep. like he's been on this podcast yeah he, yep. he, Chris is great but there's this really good story where like one of our mutual friends was like a really new young comic and he was like he had been doing it a year before I started so he was like this 17 year old kid doing stand-up and crushing in these Charlottesville rooms because there just wow. wasn't and so just just fucking destroying and then Chris shows up and they're like, okay, uh, Chris, we, we don't know who you are. We're going to have you go in front of uh, our mutual friend. And Chris went up and he'd been doing it like six years at that point and destroyed so hard that like our buddy just <laughs> H dude, like just shell shocked his <laughs> changed his worldview of like, oh, fuck. That's like, like we're like the moment they realized that the room was just hot. Like yeah. It was just a hot room when you saw like a real comic come in and just destroy. And then we we're all like, oh, yeah, Chris is the good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you're like, oh, never mind. Yeah, never mind. I maybe it'll be four years till I headline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. four till the Netflix is five. That's my five year plan. So, Winston, you started in Charlottesville, Richmond. Now, yes. what, um, what, I mean, I see you like everywhere now and I'm not even going out that much. It's mostly online, but I see you're like, I hit three shows last night, this thing, that night. Yeah. Like you're really keeping track, but you're getting booked too. So I know yeah. it's not just some, you know, guy tooting his horn. Oh no. Yeah. Um, you really kind of seem to have gotten into the mindset of just a grinder slash Mark. I mean, you're doing great. That's all Thanks, I mean man. to say, but I, I think you've, um, you've rolled into something. I, can you talk about what that was like? I mean, how that kind of came to pass? Yeah, like, and I, I think a lot of it comes from starting in an area like Charlottesville and Richmond. So, like, I lived an hour outside of both of them. So, like, I lived, like, at a triangle point in between. So, it would be, like, if I was willing to drive every night, I, when I started, could get up three to four times a week. And then once you start getting up three to four times a week, you're like, fuck, I want to get up more than this. And mm -hmm. so, as Richmond and Charlottesville added shows, it's like, well, Virginia Beach is only two and a half hours away. It's like D.C. is only two and a half hours away. So I just got in this mindset of like, if I was not going up, I'm everyone's my mindset is if I'm not going up, everyone else in the world is going up and they're getting better than me. And so I, 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 I truly believe that there's like people are made to do stand up. Like, I think you can teach some things, but I think people that are naturally funny. I can't help how naturally funny I am. Like, there's nothing I can do to improve that. But what I can control is fucking outworking everybody like I can work my fucking uh, dick into the ground. And uh, I, I was always worried it would seem like tooting my own horn for like posting pictures that are just like an open mic. So it's like really funny you say that. But I realized that like the open mic hosts love any type of promotion for their open mic. And that's so, true. So that's kind of what I view it as, is it's more like, Hey, I'm doing this thing, but look at how much fun this open mic is like, Oh my God, look at it. It's like, and I try to tag the people in it too, uh, to try to drum up support. Cause it's like, when I started doing, I don't know if you guys have done angel and Mark's Tuesday night room spaghetti on the beach. Uh, no, they just followed me though, so I may I'll make it a point. I like those guys. Yeah, they're good dudes. When I first started doing it, it would be like you could show up whenever. Sign up wasn't a problem. Um, like you know, it was just comics, but it was the type of just comics room where it's a bunch of comics who are newer to comedy, so they're almost just like regular uh, audience members. Like they haven't seen your shit, they don't know what your rhythm is, and you can kind of do that. And now, just through the promotion. For me and like other comics doing it, it's like 45 people showing up to sign up uh, and the people that don't make it on the list still kind of hang out mm -hmm. and uh, and it's and it's become a pretty, pretty good hang. So like, I don't know, becoming friends with open mic hosts and, and, and hearing enough of them complain that no one promotes their open mics. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is a this is an excuse to post on Instagram every day because right. <laughs> like, I don't know, I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I'm going to post a funny me talking to the camera video every day to try to get followers yeah i can't do it i did it for a while and it made me want to put a gun in my mouth and blow my goddamn brains out but but yeah i don't know i just i like working hard it's i i really do like the grind i like i like hanging out with comics and if i was just sitting at home i would just feel like fucking dog shit right yeah i feel like i'm missing out and i would see people on instagram like fuck why didn't i go to that mic god right. damn it i want this right. new joke i want to try 
Right. And so how does it feel now that you, I mean, you did all that driving for so long, like, how does it feel being here and being in a place like how, like, are you, are you up every single night, multiple nights? Like, how do you tell me about? Yeah. Any, any place that I, any, any day that I can get up, I try to get up and thankfully being in this area, if I want to get up, I generally can find a mic or something to do, especially now that like, I mean, like Mondays now there's, there's two open mics in Alexandria on Mondays now. So it's there like, is? yeah, there's two, there's one that's every Monday. And then there's one that's every other Monday. So there's like feasibly two weeks a month. You can get up twice within 10 minutes of each other. And then I can be home 10 minutes after that. So it's just the, it, it, it makes it so that I think what I like the most about it is I'm not only getting up all the time. It's like, even when I was in Richmond, I was 50 minutes away from Richmond. So it was still an hour drive. So the hanging out was limited, but now it's like, cool, I can do two mics and the mic ends at 10 and I can still hang out for 30 to 40 minutes and then be at my own house by 11 o'clock, right. which is unfucking real. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is unfucking real. But yeah, the two Alexandria mics are pretty fun. Oh, surprisingly. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard about those. There's so many, especially since the pandemic ended there's so many mics in particular that i keep hearing about that i never knew yeah well it's because like none of the i mean like you guys are established you're both like very funny you've been doing it like i I respect you guys uh a lot i feel like there's a lot of mics that are popping up that the people who have been doing it a while like we have aren't really going to because we don't know any of the people fucking running it i think that's yeah and it's true and they are started during the pandemic, so they don't know that they should know us, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know, yeah. Like, I know that sounds conceited, but like, let's be honest. No. When I started doing stand up in Richmond, it took me two months to be like, these are the fucking people I need to know. Yeah, like, these are the fucking the people that are out there doing it. And so I think there's not a lot of cross promotion. And, and I've noticed that, like, I've kind of locked in with like those Alexandria ones. And there's like a couple Wednesday mics I do mm-hmm. where and Spaghetti on the Beach, where it's a lot of newer comics, where it's like just by frequenting those and like sharing and talking to other people, I'm seeing more and better experienced comics coming out to those shows. And so the shows are getting better. And it's kind of like it's just a weird period where I think so many comics started during the pandemic. And so how do you even like how do you even start during the pandemic? Like just I think outdoor just, shows that we didn't see. Yeah, like, outdoor shows. There's a lot of people I think that started on Zoom and they met people through Zoom. And some of them didn't believe in COVID, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, some people just yeah. were like, yeah, we'll just go and who gives a shit? <laughs> but they were doing it. And I think a lot of the, you know, the the more professional comedians or like the 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 better comics just who either took a break or just, you know, like it's not the same thing. We're like, like when the world was open, you would get to know who the good comics were because they you would go to enough open mics that you would eventually see the good comics that people respected. And like, I think that that's just now coming back, but we don't know all the mics to go to because none of the good comics are starting mics. It's like the book, it's like the booked ones like Capital Labs and underground and stuff. And then these really lower level open mics. And I only say lower level to not mean the quality of the show, but just like all where all the new comics are going and they're waiting four hours to do three minutes because they are, you know, they don't give a shit. But what you say is exactly right. I mean, I can remember one night sometime in the summer when I went out to this one in Woodbridge, the Electric Palm, which I actually like. Great Great place. 
And the first night, Dwayne, the booker, was not even there. So I got to go up at a reasonable slot, do my thing, and I was out. And I thought, what a great mic, good food, all that. And then fucking I go back maybe like two weeks later and show up there, and he's there. I introduce myself, and then I get a slot at like 16th or something. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then by the time the show was ending, like you could see me getting like, you know, (laughs) aggravated kind of stuff, you know. And then he found he asked around and he found out who I was. And then he like shook my hand and kind of apologized and was like, you know, it's cool. But, you know, I didn't know. And then the next time I got to go up like early or whatever. But yeah, but yeah, it was totally an honest mistake. Like you can just not know because that's the thing. If you the scene is so big, but yet it's so competitive that if you're going to be new and trying it out, generally speaking, unless you're going to be able to yeah. like draw a crowd or bring people or whatever, yeah, you're going to have to start mics. Yep, and yeah. I think when those people start the mics and the and they're newer. Uh, they might know one or two other comics, but for the most part, I think they're just seeing like, oh, I know all these people. Let's they don't understand that there's a reason good comics sometimes get preference on a show. They don't understand like it. There's a reason for it. We all worked very hard to be put in a yeah. position to where we can do that. And the value that we bring is like, hey, if you put me on your mic and you put me in a good spot or in between people that aren't great, whatever audience you have, they're not going to leave during my set. Like, that's the value I'm bringing. I might be working on something new, but I know how to not fuck up and destroy a room. Right, right. But they're looking at all everybody and they're like, oh, we're just all this is all even like everyone's going to have a chance. I'm going to let it be run fair. And then after a month and a half, the people are just like, all right, this guy fucking sucks. He's going last. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what they I don't know, because I remember when I started, I used to think running shows like um, like a mic or something like that, like the the. It is a skill knowing how to build a lineup, especially at an open mic where it's like you might not know the people or it's like it's so many people going up. And then you got to be like, all right, well, like uh, uh, generally I used to think like, all right, you put all the good people last. But then it's like by that time, if you put all the good people last, it's like the audience is gone. Your the, the newer comics have gotten the good spots. It's like, no, good comics go early and it's up to the newer comics to fucking figure out how to follow that. Like that's, that's right. <laughs> like that's that's part of how you get better is it's like right. I've earned this spot by being at the end and doing better than the people in front of me. And that's what people that's have to right. do. So you are in that spot by going up in front of people that are asleep at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yep. that are really drunk and don't want to be there. That's how you learn how to do that. Yeah, you do. And you just learn how to be like, all right, I need to thriving and Dude, right. just thriving in the worst possible conditions. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have I have performed to people that were asleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I was doing a mic last night where uh at Barbow in Arlington, and I went to the one two weeks ago and there was like 50 people there. Mm-hmm. And so I went back this time and uh it just it wasn't a ton of people. And I was going last on it, and there was a couple comics there just like should we leave? Like, what do you do? Like, what do you feel about this? And I was like, I have performed, I have been paid to perform longer in front of less people. So I, (laughs) this is, this is nothing. There is two women here who are paying attention and that is literally that's all all that I need. Just someone paying attention is is (laughs) I've done great shows for two people Yeah, where they laughed and everybody had a great time. Yeah. (laughs) 
sometimes that's the most fun. Yeah. You know, and it really is testament to how much dedication you have that you'll go up and do comedy for four people. Yeah, four people. Yeah. And you're right. There are I think that when you have a smaller crowd who is really into the show, I think that some of the like really special comedy moments kind can happen because it's a mixture of like people who want to be there. As a performer, you feel no pressure. You're like, I don't have to do my A material because it's right. like, what? Like, this isn't sold out. I'm not getting booked off of anything from this. And there's that fun freedom of like, you can have a real conversation with someone, try new jokes. Like, if you fuck yeah. up a joke, you can make fun of how this is a terrible show. And you know what I mean? Like, there's all these things at your disposal. And it just like, and that was what last night was. It was just one of those moments where I tried three brand new jokes, talked to them a little bit, genuinely thanked them for coming to the show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and staying two hours and 20 minutes uh and watching everybody which is unreal i don't know how people do it. i don't know how people do that there's so many <laughs> minutes where i think that where i'm like how are you still here yeah <laughs> it's fucking that and the comedy we're we're all mentally ill <laughs> really it's really insane so winston this new album yes what's it called for the people uh it's called already aware where'd okay. you record it uh, I recorded it at uh, Good Nights Comedy Club in Raleigh, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, which is the, nice. The, yeah, man, it was like the first time I'd ever really gotten. Uh, I had done a spot there before uh, when Chris Allen recorded his album. Uh, the way that the Helium uh, Club's record label does it is if they record an album for you, the way they want to do it is like they have you either host or feature for a weekend. And then on the Sunday, they'll let you co-headline or headline. And they'll let you like, and they record all the shows. So Chris went down and he featured. And then on the Sunday, they didn't have a local feature. So Chris was like, hey, do you want to come? Like, I want to have someone to hang out with. And I was very lucky that I went down and I had a really fucking good set. And the record label dude was like, hey, we want to record something with you here in a few in a few months. So it was like my first uh -huh. real, real, it was my first real weekend working um, like a pretty well-respected road club. Mm -hmm. uh and it was for an album thing so it was like one of those things where it was like even if the album sucked i was like this is still a really cool experience yeah <laughs> to, yeah. Get to, to get yeah. to do that's awesome wow when does it come out it'll be out uh november 12th uh wow. so coming yeah. up yep so two days two yeah. days yeah i'm excited two days from our recording date but yep. for oh, the yeah. listener out there it's, it's already out to, yeah it's already fucking out so yeah, yeah you already shit. didn't get it you incompetent <laughs> fuckers yeah right. you pieces of shit I was you ingrates <laughs> right so what's in you're like you're like very entrenched in the comedy world like you live with a bunch of comics too right yes, i do how's that i love it I love you all do? my roommates. I live with Kevin Skippington and Sandy Benton uh -huh. and Martin Phillips. And I love all three. It's it's a really cool house because it's, it's the first time I've ever lived anywhere where I'm kind of excited to come home and see if my roommates are up and hanging out because we're just like we're watching TV, just like yeah. uh, relaxing, getting food together. It's 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 been a really good uh, environment uh, for me. So I, I, I really enjoy it. Do you think it's helped you comedically? Like, do you guys sit and because I've noticed you guys are pretty encouraging of each other, which yeah. in other comedy houses, I've I've never lived in a comedy house, but in other comedy houses that has you're not. you're a well-adjusted adult, Elena. You don't <laughs> you have like a, a real life outside of <laughs> Winston. I still do comedy. Well-adjusted uh, adults is that's a very nice compliment, but uh 
I also am a trained actor. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty supportive. I, uh, I like COVID helped me to like a lot of my comedy bitterness is gone when comedy was kind of taken away from me. Oh, that's interesting. Um, where like I thought everything that I've been working for for four and a half years was uh, gone forever. And so coming back, uh, I was just like, you know what, like other people getting shit does not affect me getting shit at all. And I, I and it's really helped me to enjoy shows more. And I enjoy comedy more when I can see someone get something. And instead of my mind going to fuck, I want to get that to my mind going be like, that is fucking awesome that Elena got that. If she got it, then that means that there's opportunities in the area. If I keep working as hard as she does, eventually I'll get something. And and it, I don't know, it's really helped me. And like through like the really toughest parts of COVID of where you're just like, I, I'll never take comedy for granted. And that includes like taking uh, the people uh, in comedy for granted. Like even right. if I see someone I don't like get something, I'm like, you know what? They're fucking, if they got it, they, they're working fucking hard. And so you can't, you know, can't be mad at somebody for that. That's a very healthy attitude. I feel like I had that maybe when we started doing comedy again, but by now I feel like all my comedy (laughs) is like 100% bad. Oh yeah, man. I just been trying to like not be fucking, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's all, it's like between when my, uh, uh, like just with COVID and then like six months before that, my dad passing away, just like all this stuff happening at once. That was just like all these things that were important to me getting taken away from me, just being like, fuck me. I should just like, instead of being upset about shit and being like, fuck, I'm good. Why am I not getting these things? Just be like, yeah, Winston, you are good at comedy, but also like all these other people are fucking good. And you think these people are funny already. Like, it's not like I didn't think people were funny. It's like, you think these people are funny and you respect them. It's like, why not channel that jealousy into something more positive, which is just like, fuck the, instead of being like, fuck, I want this. It's now like, man, I'm jealous of how good, uh, like PD's joke is like, I, he's like, he's making me want to work harder. You know what I'm saying? Like that type type of thing, like, oh, fuck, he has that joke. And it's like, fuck, I want a joke like that. It's like, it's so good. And, and, and being able to channel the bitterness into something that's like way to where I can actually be happy, uh, for people has been great over the last, uh, two years but like I, I mean like martin's great skiff's great sandy they're all really encouraging um people and i and i i do feel like just in general comedy in dc is just i think as a whole i think people are a little are more encouraging and that might have to do with just how many new comics there are like there's fucking so many new comics That's right true. now it's unreal i keep, i feel like i keep seeing them i i i'm at a point like i see more and more but i haven't really met a lot of these new comics yeah that much and i think it's because there's all these open mics that i've never heard of yeah and it's weird like the first few i went to i still would like i would be in my mind like all right these i can tell these people are super new and it's the type of thing where like it's not that i dislike new comics it's just like you guys know like if yeah I, you need to wait six months before somebody you know if somebody's going to keep fucking doing this shit that's like, just, i feel like that's most of it it's not yeah. even to any new comics listening like it's not even to be rude it's always like, are you in this for real? Yeah. And there's so many people that come and go and it's fine if it's That's true. like, I don't even That's get upset true. at that anymore. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, you want to go to acting camp or you want to fucking go to rock and right. roll camp or right. want to just hit a mic every now and then. But I noticed the more of these mics I did with people I didn't know, uh, the, the people that I've seen over the last few months who are doing it, they'll come up and be like, hey, I like that. And like, you just kind of start to meet these people. And even though they're people that 
you wouldn't really book on a showcase or something like that. It's been pretty cool to like be at these mics and it's almost reminded me of when I started when like you could kind of get some joy from watching just seeing a comic grow. Just like yeah. seeing someone like seeing someone figure out a joke they've been bombing with for like two or three weeks is a very rewarding thing to see, I think. Yeah. Like that process. Especially yeah. if you've been seeing it eat shit for weeks. And you're just like this because at a certain point you're like, why the fuck is this person still doing it? And then they change one word and you're like, oh my God, he fucking got it. I didn't yeah. think they were gonna do it. Yeah, it is cool to see that in general. And I feel like I've been doing comedy long enough now where I'm starting to see some people get like very good. Yeah. Or especially people who are like a year or two, like around how long you've been doing. I've been doing comedy five years when some here at seven. Like people yeah. who have been doing comedy like around the same amount of time, like some of those people now are great. Yeah, you know, when I started, we're like fine. Yeah. They're like really fucking good now. Yeah. People really putting the work in and you just Yeah, just- it's like really insane to see and cool it is cool yeah yeah it's not that cool for me because i like the (laughs) coast i fucking hate work (laughs) but it's a necessary thing i'm glad i'm hearing it again it couldn't come from a nicer guy winston hodges it's something that i need you know all of us i think need to hear from time to time because the mind and the ego is just that it's hard man it's, I think so too. It's a constant. Yeah, it's nice to hear you talk like that about that positivity because I've definitely like as I've started to do comedy more and more. Like after the pandemic, I was very like that. Yeah. And now I'm definitely gotten more in that. Just like really, you're booking this fucking person. Yeah. And really. Yeah. yeah. And, really. And, and, hey, okay. I, you're still doing this. You're still booking this fucking person. Fine. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. Like that's it's not like this stuff so creeps up. Like it's like obviously we all still shit talk because it's fucking fun to do. But like that <laughs> actual, but that <laughs> actual type of jealousy where you're like getting kind of angry about it. Yeah. That obviously still happens, and that's why I think like having the house that I have and I have like a really safe space to be like if I am truly upset about a booking thing. Yeah. I can sit down with Sandy and Skiff and Martin and be like, hey, can I just like vent for a minute? And because honestly, like just having someone that you can just be really angry about it for a second and have oh. them hear you, I feel instantly better. Like, I don't know why. And it's just, and, it, and you know what I mean? And you don't hold on to that because you always feel like, oh, fuck, I can't say this or whatever. But like having someone like Sandy who I can just be like, hey, I'm fucking really mad. I'm not getting booked on this because I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm doing everything I need to do. And then just having someone be like, yeah, it is bullshit. You're not getting booked on that. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not. Yeah, it makes you feel, it, yeah, sometimes you need that, that recognition. And yeah. I will say, like, I do have those moments still, but. As I've grown, I've started to realize like there are certain bookers that like no matter how good I get, like they're just not. Yeah. Like, some people just don't like you. Yeah. And, honestly, like, there are just, people, yes. there are people that just they just don't like me. And yep. it's like, okay, I'll use you, you know, if you give me an occasional spot, I'll use it for what it is. Yes. But and I, that's okay. And that's honestly, something. that is okay. Like yeah. that's such a good that that's like such a good place to get to of like. Cause that shows enough confidence in yourself that you like, you know, you're funny, right? You know what you're doing is good. And then the, just the realization of like, fuck, like, and, and what helped me was like, there's really successful comedians that I don't think are funny. And just That's realizing right. that it's like, fuck, comedy is extremely subjective. That's and right. you know what? It is a bummer that this booker, I'm not his taste, but that does not mean that I'm not going to be successful. It does not mean I'm not good right. at comedy. It just means that when he is putting together shows, he doesn't really want what I do on stage. And you know Perfect. 
that's fine. I do have to say this before I forget. One of my favorite Zoom comedy memories was this summer was doing a DC Improv Kumite and Petey Steele was on it. And <laughs> and but and I will say one of the absolute funniest things. I can't remember. I know you made it to the finals, Petey. I can't remember if you won or not. I lost by one vote to get to the finals to Blair. It was yeah. one vote. And then she went to the finals. That's with right. Tim Miller. Yeah, you did. You were so funny. I really enjoyed your set. Reading the Zoom chat of people that were legitimately angry that the improv had put PD Steele on the show. Oh, really? Was one of the best comedy memories I had over Zoom where I'm crying. Like, I'm my camera's off and I'm crying, laughing, reading with these. Like, I can't believe you would put. And there's other people being like, it's comedy, it's a joke. Good job, PD. I'm glad. And to see people like when PD made it to the next round to go against Blair, people just being like, I'm never coming to one of these online shows. <laughs> the PD reactions never, never cease to amaze me. I love it. It made me really it's so happy. great. It's so great. Dude, like would, the amount of, of reaction that PD's That show was incredible that he's talking about. I, I yeah. yeah, like. It was so, so it was, I, I can't, I, Dude, I think that uh, that was during the time period before I moved to D.C. And I was like sitting in my car. So I'm in my car doing it, crying, laughing, stealing Internet from an automobile shop at like 8 p.m. <laughs> <And I, laughs> was it just was it just like it was just your jokes, Petey, or did they know you from before? Okay, so it started off like these are the comments I remember. Like I started off with my infamous, you know, like I've been with women that identify as attractive that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the That's minute you, did it. yeah, that <laughs> when you hit that bit, you know, it's like right away I see someone in the comments like, oh, Trump, LGBT hater, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, I guess I lost one vote. Uh, <laughs> but then there were people actually laughing because they yes. had like videotape. The improv did a thing where you could zoom your face in if you were audience. Yes. For like five people. So yep. my family was watching it. They were saying people were laughing. It was great. And the first round was versus Adrian. And I beat him pretty handly. Yeah. I hate to say Adrian that. Rodney? Yeah. He had a shitty connection that night. Yeah, I think he just bet. used like. A cricket did well. PD had like a like PD. You did have like a really good set. Like it was really funny. It and it was people saying it was funny in the chat. It was just like two or three people just furiously typing over and over <laughs> and over again, just so angry. It was it was perfect. But then there were people at the end of the second round when I lost my vote. They're like, "How could this fucking be?" They're like, "If Blair gets passed, I'm never coming to the improv yep. again." And yeah. I was like, wow, shit, take it easy. Yeah, then it, there was some was... chick that said I was fat and I was like, oh, fuck this bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like it was the angriest I've seen because I feel like it doesn't matter who it was because I lost to Blair in the first round. And, and it was the thing after everybody lost, it was people commenting. They were angry that somebody lost. Like there were people commenting they were mad that I lost. I think I lost to Blair by like 10 or 15 votes or yeah. like something like that where it was like close enough. People were like, this is unreal. Like how the fuck she didn't people like she didn't she didn't do jokes, but she crushed. Like Blair did great. It's just the yeah. type of thing of where it's like 
it was so funny. No matter who lost, the people who were fans of the other person were viscerally upset in the chat. <laughs> oh my God, I'm really sad I didn't miss that. I wish there was a way for that to keep existing in Kuba Day to it, see like how pe like people get attached to who they voted the Zumate kicks the shit out of the Kumite. I, I fucking so? agree because yeah. I, I will absolutely uh agree. And I and and the reason I think it is is like honestly. There have been times that I lost in the regular Kumite where I'm like, I don't think he did the sound recording right. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I feel like I, oh, really? I where where I feel like if you had Zoom, it is literally clicking a button to vote. And right. you know what? If I'm going to lose to someone and literally more people enjoyed that than the other person, that's OK. But it is so hard to not get in your feelings at a Kumite when you're like. Yeah, I think more people liked me. It's just they were louder for this other like there were just the people that, that liked you could have because you could have a one, you know, one table of three. Yes. Happen to have a louder scream just than screaming. a table of sure. seven next door. Yeah. And it, and so I, 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 I like the actual voting thing. I was like, a, I was a fan of it because it it was also very because I did the Zumate thing a few times. It was also very funny, like the like I had one time where I just like I my connection sucked and I bombed really hard and uh, to just see a numerical value of how much the people like someone else other than me to where it was like I lost by like 80 votes. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. Where it's like, that's just life. You know? That's real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Winston, you did touch briefly, and I don't want to bring it down, but you did touch briefly on your dad's passing. Yeah. And, and you had a album before this, no, called Breathing Productively. Yeah, I had like a little YouTube uh, special thing, like a video thing that I, that I did for it. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, how is that? Is this covered anymore in your latest album or you just kind of moved on? No, it's the type of thing where like I haven't done any of the jokes that I did about because so, so the whole reason that grieving productively thing happened was I was like I was doing material about my dad passing or him getting sick as soon as it happened. Like it's just like that's how I like when I when my dad got the diagnosis, the first thing I did that night after, you know, visiting him and the family was like, I'm, I went to a mic that night and I just kind of talked about it and got really close to crying on stage. And and then there after two or three months after he passed, it's like, OK, I have 15 to 20 minutes about this. But like there's no real purpose for that when you're not a comedian who is like touring with the like if I was already famous, I could tour with it. Oh, we're going to see Winston's one man show about his father. So it's like. All right. Well, I can't like no one wants to go to the funny bone and the features just doing 25 minutes about his <laughs> like at a right. strip mall. <laughs> like, right. So I, I just took that as like, oh, cool. This will be a cool project. I'll record all this material and edit a special together and uh, release it like a year after my dad passed away. And, and so that's that's what I did. And that's like the most artistic thing I've ever done with comedy. And this album is like. It is just an hour and seven minutes of jokes. Mm -hmm. It is just me doing stand up. I don't talk about like I, I, I talk about like stuff that's going on. Like there's some uh, gun control stuff. There's uh, some stuff about trans uh, women. Like there's a, there's stuff for it about about real issues. But as far as like, oh, the, the theme of this is death or grief or like, right, like no, I, I figured that the, the grieving productively thing, it was pretty well received. And uh, I was like, that felt like a good place to kind of at least leave that for the time, for the time being about like, yeah. I think it stands on its own. 
That's like 35, 40 minutes of material that I have burned. And then this is like just pure jokes from it's I, I would say it's a that my album is one a third stuff that I worked on during the pandemic, one third the stuff that was really, really good that I had right before the pandemic started. And the other third is I went back and looked at the stuff that I thought was the strongest from my first four years of doing stand up and kind of like reworking it and just trying to throw everything at the wall and just try to give a good picture of like what me doing stand up for the last six years was uh, was really like. That's great. And I ask, I mean, I know in, as an industry standard, it's not like you're going to cover any of the same stuff in one special that you go to. the Oh, next yeah, no. With. But I just ask because I know that, you know, having my old man just yeah. passing a couple months ago, like the grieving process, you know, it's different for everybody, but it's yeah. also something you can't really completely shut the door on. So I wonder no. how much you, you know, that would be reflected artistically. Like it's still going. And and I would say since I did that, I've written another three to four minutes about grief in that. And it's the type of thing where like if over the years I build up enough stuff to do it, but that, that stuff just seems so heavy to me that it has to be done as its own thing. Like, yeah, like, like and it's like it's so have you done any have you done any jokes about it yet? Like, how's yeah. that process been for you? You know, the process in just life has been that I was kind of grieving up till the death because dementia is one of those things where you just yeah, it sucks. And you watch somebody you love crumble for like four years and a lot of your grieving's done by the time it happens. You're just waiting on it. Yeah. Um and I, one bit I want to work on is the idea that, like, you feel guilty for not feeling guilty after yeah. a while because Dude, you're doing so all this caretaking shit and you're like, this is time consuming, expensive, it's straining other family relationships. Yeah. But I should feel bad because this person I love is dying. But then you're like, I don't know that I do. I'm it, it puts you in a weird, like, double bind. It, you know? It's so fucked up because people are like, the thing that I think is funny is in situate because my because my grandfather had dementia when he when he passed away, too. So it's like it it is an absolute and my grandma has it now in a nursing home. And it's just an absolute motherfucker because it's yeah. just like because you just you hear people be like. When, when someone tells someone else like, oh, don't worry, you're not a burden. It's like, let's just admit it. They're a fucking burden. But you love this person. You don't give a shit like that's what the truth of the matter is, is it's yep. like it, it's pretending it's not a burden to have to like remind these people who the fuck you are every time you see them and well, visiting them and feeding them and there's then also like, this whole industry dedicated to keeping them alive yeah yeah <laughs> which is also like this because my grandma also has dementia and she's i just saw her a couple months ago and just reached that point where yeah. she doesn't know who i am anymore. it's almost like people aren't supposed to live that long <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And to your point, Pete, like you feel guilty about it, but it's just like. Yeah, but you wake up at least once or twice a week and you're like, what this motherfucker just died? You know, it, it's <laughs> terrible, but it's it's the deal because yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm now they're like, we're going to need 24 hour care. Not, for like 30 bucks an hour and i'm like what so you can bounce around like a teletubby what the fuck is this you know yeah, that's yeah. unreal but there are some yeah. funny moments too like i'm glad yeah. he was inside he was a professor in real life so like 
one day he's in arts and crafts and he's just standing there and there's this group of women doing crafts and he starts trying to like lecture to them. And this one lady's like, we're doing our arts and crafts, like leave us alone. And he just fucking slugged her. And I was like, <laughs> I, you know, that's something he was waiting to do for like 35 years. Yeah, but 40 years of when he had his faculties, he knew he had to fucking pay rent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, I'm paying the rent. So Fuck it, you know. That's so true, man. And and it's weird because it's like uh, the thing uh, on the flip side. The thing that I felt guilty about was like when my dad was diagnosed. The period from his diagnosis until his death was only ten days. So it was no like way. he found out he had pancreatic cancer and then never left the hospital. And so what they were trying to do the first few days was like, like the first day he went in, they're like, hey, he has pancreatic cancer. Like when they did the test, he's like, we're we're gonna go ahead and like um. We, we're, we, he's healthy. So he's going to be, we're going to recommend aggressive treatment. And then the next day they're like, Hey, we're just going to do regular treatment. And then the next day they're like, Hey, he is not healthy enough to do treatment. And then the day after that, they're like, all right, we're going to look into bringing him into your home for hospice. And the next day they're like, he's too sick for that. We're going to do hospice at an outpatient facility. And then the next day they were like, your father's not going to leave the hospital. Um, so like every day it was like the timeline changing, but but going through all that and being like, man, the other option was watching my father waste away for a year and a half yeah. and realizing that this was the best possible thing to happen. And I feel fucking horrible because part of me was like, man, I really hope he lives a year and a half, even if he's in pain, because I'll be able to talk to him for a year and a half and say all these things I want to say. And then it was like, nope, you got five days to say this shit. And I said all of it. And I was like, you know what? I don't think my dad would have enjoyed having pancreatic cancer during COVID. I think it would have been the worst possible thing yeah. of, all, of all fun. But you're right, man. The guilt you feel about feeling like you're not feeling the right thing. And it and it's like, damn, it's like and it's like, nope, that's not how grief works. You can feel however the fuck you want to feel about it. And it does not mean you love that person any less than right. you love them. Right. All. So that's a bit I'm working on. Then the other ones are just general funeral decorum bits that I did over at the church of satire, like namely that I don't think like more people should die, but I definitely think some more rehearsals are in order for like <laughs> people. Cause like people come up to you and they're like, so what happened? Like, and I'm like, Oh, he fell down. You know, he was demented. And they're like, okay, did he slip or trip? It's like lady, Jesus. no matter how many times you review the play, the ruling on the field stands, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 what the fuck yeah. are we talking about here? <laughs> so that kind of stuff is made part of my set and it's not been bad, but it is heavy. Yeah. That, that's the problem is it is really heavy. And, and there is, I think more so, I think there's some topics in comedy, but I'm more so with death because that is a thing. Literally everybody experiences. It's the type of thing where like, you do have to kind of approach it a certain way. And to like, I had to come up when I was working on the material, like I had to come up with an opener that I did at every show. Like it just, where it's just like, it's the same joke. It's the only joke I did the same every single time because it was the only joke that let people know it is okay to laugh about this. And yeah. like, just when people felt like they just were, I felt like people were always just looking for a pass to where it's like, they felt taking away the audience's guilt for laughing uh, was like one of the, the toughest things. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but dude, the, I, I think the hardest part was like bombing sucks anyway. Bombing with shit about your father passing away. It hurts so fucking bad. It, it hurts yeah. worse. I've never cared so much about a joke. And it's just like, yeah. fuck, man. What am I? Like, yeah, it, oh, it would break your break yeah. my heart, dude. <laughs> yeah, when I did those two headlines at church, one night it absolutely killed. And then the other night... <laughs> 
I just wasn't on the exact right Wave momentum. Eight. Like it was good, uh, but it wasn't great. Yeah. And I was like, I got to fill the fucking 45, you know, this is yeah. my obligation. So I was just like, I'm going to bulldoze with it anyway and just see yeah. if I can win them back. Bad move. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, and then afterward, even a lady came up to me and she was nice, but I could tell she definitely wasn't one of the people laughing. And she's like, I got to say that set really kind of triggered me. Like my mom's going through this now with dementia and my nephews like schizophrenic. Cause I have that uh, bit, you know, and like this and that. So it was all just like, and I was like, Oh, well, I'm glad uh, we were able to build a bridge. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know, but that's hard, dude. That's my kind of comedy anyway. It's hard and it's like, you know, it's going to go. I got to break a couple eggs to make an omelet anyway. So that night she was just the hollandaise (laughs) bucket. But I think also, too, a lot of it, it depends on your audience. I feel like people who have probably been through it, it's easier for them to laugh on people that haven't. It's harder. I mean, on a much lighter subject, but like I'm working on jokes now that a lot of them have to do with being in like a longer term relationship with someone. And in some of these rooms that the audience is really young and I'll ask people, I'll be like, how many of you guys are in a long-term thing and no one will clap because I feel like a lot of open mics since COVID have a really, really young audience. And the reaction to some of the newer jokes I've been telling in rooms like that is like, it's like, yeah. not only does the joke bomb, but you hear like a, oh, oh shit. Fuck, that sounds you know what I mean? Like that, like that, like, oh God. Yeah. You know, because it's people who haven't been through the experience. So it just seems heavy, yeah. right? Fair. Where like, I've done those jokes in rooms with people that were maybe a little bit older, that couples were there and it was like, ha ha, you know? So I feel like with these jokes, it's, a, it's I, I think it probably depends on like, who's been through. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah, right. that's, that's true. Some of the youth, you got to sit there and think they're like bright eyed and bushy tails. The yeah. woes they know are like from the pages of Mother Jones or some shit. Yeah. You know? So they yeah. think they can relate to it because they know a little bit of the statistics and they gave some money to PETA last month or something <laughs> like that. But real fucking pain where you have to like compromise yourself yeah. and really question who you are, where you yeah, get who down you are, your own metal. That hasn't happened in. yet. You yeah. know? Nope. You, you're completely right, man. Just the stuff you believe in and like who you are and like, are you, you're compromising yourself and your thoughts and your beliefs because you're just like, fuck, this is real. And just like understanding that people are fucking complex and not, you know what I mean? Like fucking, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's shit stuff. I think that only comes with age and just like experience of just like, yeah, I tell them to follow me. I'm like, by the time you're heartbroken, you'll understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't give up on me yet. I'm a lost cause, but I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Follow, just remember me in a few years from now. Yeah, write it down. Experience. Put it away and come back yeah. to it when you're yeah. feeling sad. So, Winston, what do you got coming up, sir? Oh, man, what do I have coming up? I'll get my calendar out right here so that I don't fuck it up. Well, I've got Thanksgiving. That'll be fun. Uh, but after... Uh, <laughs> uh, after uh, Thanksgiving, because uh, like uh, the 28th of November, I'm in Cary, North Carolina at Fortnite Brewing. 
December 1st, I'm at the DC Improv Open Mic. And then uh, December 3rd, I'm actually headlining the Electric Palm Showcase in Woodbridge, Virginia. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So for the first week of December, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I what I got going on. Awesome. Wow, well, Cary, North Carolina. I almost got arrested there when I was 14. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was with my buddy. His dad just passed too. RIP to Bill Brazil. But this guy was like the national best locksmith. He did all the locks for like the oh, Bill of Rights, all this. So my buddy, Bernie, his son, you know, was a kick-ass lock, is a kick-ass locksmith now. He would take him down to these conventions and he'd say he could bring a friend or whatever. So then he'd just leave us unattended for the whole day and we'd just <laughs> go and cause trouble. So we're like walking down this strip in uh, Cary, North Carolina. We hit the median. We got a couple of like plastic Coke bottles in our hand. We're out of Coke, whatever. We're like, fuck it. Just throw it across the road over these yeah. cars and into the woods. And this cop car saw us and was like, hey, get over here now. You know, we're like, oh, fuck. And we just jumped into the woods. And the guy came up after us and tackled me. Ernie got away. But he was like, which one of your mammies and peppers want to pay the $500 fine for littering? And we're like, oh, none of us. So, and he's like, all right. You go back in there and pick up every one of them goddamn bottles and it's some more than after that, some more than, more than, you know. So we went back in there and like kind of tiptoed around, <laughs> waited till he was gone, took off. But eh, Damn, that's my story of Carrie. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Well, we want to thank Winston for coming on the show. It's been so fun having you. Yeah, We're a big fan of yours. And uh, PD, do you have anything coming up you want to? No, by the time this airs, I imagine it'll be gone, but me and Elena will have co-headlined the auto bar. Oh, cool. um, yeah, yeah, we're doing that on Saturday. And awesome. uh, if you missed it, well, shame on you. Shame on you. Um, hopefully, it'll be at, we should do more co-headlining stuff. Maybe. Yeah, uh, we could put a press kit together and do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Winston, where can people find you on social media and get updates and stuff? Oh, man, every Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, it's all at Winston H Comedy. And uh, if you don't use that type of social media, you can just go to WinstonHodges.com. It has links to everything on there. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you can find us at Steelborn DC and Elena Blondita on Instagram. That's the main place that we live, and obviously at Countercurrents DC on Instagram for all our new episodes, all our shows. Um, we have a show coming up at Arlington Draft House. Uh, we're not sure about the date yet, but we'll let you guys know. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Bye. Bye.